Wow, today's guest really blew me away. Breaking off molds and mindsets of ministry? Come on. We need more of this. And it's not because the church is not beautiful and whole and well, but the church institutions, the people, the broken, are impacting people in ways that the kingdom is being limited. And so understanding that there is potential in the gifts that God has given us, the five-fold ministry. You may have heard of this before in Ephesians 4, 6 through 11. And today, Joseph Perry, who is the founder and speaker, coach, and consultant of Five-Fold Labs, goes into details, not just for the church, not just for the pastor, not just for the missionary, but for the executive, the leader, the trainer, And I am so excited to bring to you him today, my dear friend, the one and only Joseph Perry. This is your God wink, the moment that heaven says for such a time as this. It's time to own your joy, prioritize your health, discover your wealth, and exude your wholeness. It's time to become truly fit. However, this isn't a fitness podcast, though I'm a retired personal trainer and nutritionist. This isn't business jargon or tips and tricks to landing your successful passion project, though that's totally why I'm a business coach. This isn't a quick fix health detox ploy, though I'm all for therapy and I love whole foods. I do have a YOLO side sweet tooth though. This isn't confusing religious banter, though I'm an ordained minister still figuring out the many things and facets and faces of Jesus. It's really none of that, so I'm wondering... If you're wondering, what is this? Well, this is an opportunity to join me alongside other big dreamers, innovative movers, and lifestyle shakers as we explore and share our messy comeback stories and discoveries with each of you fellow passionate seekers. The Fit and Faith movement was birthed through my own trial and error discovery of mind, body, and soul alignment, and to be totally transparent, my own entrepreneurial crash and burn experiences. I've learned firsthand that being fit isn't about our physique at all. It's not about our qualifying abilities or titles. It's not about our potential. It's truly about our God-gifted passions meeting our purpose. You are one step away from achieving your idea, your dream, your calling, your purpose, whatever you want to call it. And I want to be there for the moment that you say yes in freedom, clarity, and confidence that you are living fully fit and who and whose you were made to be. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast with me, Tamara Andress. There is no better time than now to get fit. Hello, hello. We are live and in action for the Fit and Faith Podcast. And I am so honored to introduce to you my new friend and not new as even like a minute ago. Oftentimes when I'm bringing new people onto the podcast, I literally just meet them at least beyond the, the digital world of Instagram or Facebook. But Joseph and I have actually connected firsthand. I've got to hug his neck in person. He is not only a local community member, but a fellow brother in Christ. And I am so excited to be able to bring him to you guys today to just understand unpack his wisdom and his heart that you are going to understand very quickly um, is one of strength, resilience, and also peace. He has a really beautiful um, component of peace that he brings into every space. And so Joseph, I'm grateful to have you here today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 
Absolutely. So you guys are so much to unpack here. You can see just from the title, for those of you who are tuning in with us live, that uh, there is an uh, acronym. And I am a huge person of words, alliteration, rhymes, and acronyms. Um, in fact, there are so many that we parallel most of our lives to, even biblically. And for this one, specifically to unpack serve and what that means, not only from his 501c3 that he has, but additionally from an ability to help us um, and impact our businesses from a five ministry perspective. And so it sounds a lot. And you're like, wait, hold up. That sounds like a lot. Let's let's take it back first. Before we get into all of the granular, I'm super curious, Joseph, like, how did you get started in ministry? I know you were a pastor for many, many years. Um, but even before that, I love to take root into your childhood a bit. Sure, sure. Uh, <clears throat> so I, I kind of grew up in church a little bit. Um, uh, and uh, there was maybe just maybe a year or so where my family wasn't in church. And then I made a conscious decision around the age of like 15, I think, to go back. And um, and so I was I stayed in for the longest time. And uh, and then just before I turned 19, I was like I was in church all the time, but I wasn't really following the Lord. Like I wouldn't say that he had my heart, you know. And um, and then I remember just this chance conversation with my mom where uh, she basically pulled me into her room and said, Hey, if you, um, have you ever thought about going to college? And, and I'm like, I don't, where's this coming from? I, I don't know what you, and I had just zero ambition in life, no plans, nothing, I had nothing going for me. And, I, but I knew I was at a moment in my life where I knew I needed to change. I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe I need to pray more, read my Bible more, like be more religious. Or something. <laughs> yeah. There's like, all the rules, all the regulations. Yeah, What's wrong just, with me? You know, 18 years old, grasping at straws, almost 19. And my mom has this conversation with me and a very quick conversation. And two weeks later, um, uh, in upstate New York at a Bible school I'd never heard of. Um, and I spent the next three years of my life there. And by the end of my first year, I, I knew I was called to the ministry, even though I knew it was going to be a different fit and feel than what everybody, you know, kind of always pitched as the ministry. And so it took me a while to understand that. And I came back in 2000, I got ordained. Uh, 2007, we started a church, I pastored for 11 years until we transitioned out of that in 2018. Um, and then we ended up launching a nonprofit and doing several other things. And, and so it has been such an adventure. And, you know, you learn so much more doing the ministry than just going to school and learning about it. Truth. That's the story of life, right? Probably hence all of your wisdom. It's the the fail forward experiences. It's the opportunities of of sharpening that happen. um, The forgiveness that has to be learned, right? (laughs) Empathy factors that are now in play because of those learned lessons. And so he keeps alluding to we, and he has this lovely, intelligent, beautiful wife, Carla. Um, And so I know that she was ingrained in so many of those um, trials and tribulations. And so we'll give her honor as well, because she's an incredible writer and and a partner in crime for him. And so I'm curious, like in this transition of the speaking, coaching um, and and consulting experience that you offer now, 
away from being a pastor, right? And, and yes, you're still a pastor in a different context, um, which I love so much. I think the world just deems if you're not in a pulpit, you're not a pastor. And yeah. I have this conversation with our mutual friend, Morgan and Anthony, who introduced us. And they're like, you, you're you a pastor if somebody calls you a pastor. And pastoring doesn't necessarily mean you're in a pulpit. You know, pastors are like shepherds and shepherds were in a field. So we're in the field, right? You and I, we're in the field. Tell me about um, how you and why you transitioned from this this mission um, driven church space into mission driven leadership outside of the church. Well, we were doing the church and we were, you know, it was one of those things that we thought we're going to do this, you know, forever. Like, it'll this is this is the thing. And uh, even though we felt like we had kind of a different take and how we were doing it, what we were teaching, what we were building, what we were emphasizing, um, uh, the culture that we were building, um, our goals, um, uh, the frameworks that we were working within. I'll, I'll talk more about that later, maybe. But um, so we were doing that. And then maybe in the last four to six months of the church that I was pastoring, um, uh, all of a sudden it went from something that felt very light to carry to very heavy. And the way I usually explain it to people, uh, just searching for words for, for what I experienced was, it's kind of like when you're moving like a really heavy piece of furniture with a couple of other people, and one of them lets go to go get the door so that you can carry it through, and you don't see them, you don't know they let go, all of a sudden you just feel the weight of it pull on you, and suddenly you're like, oh, I can't hold this up anymore. And, um, and so that's what what I experienced with the church. And so all of a sudden this church that, that had been so light for 10 and a half years, just went, boom. and I was like, uh, uh, and I started like, like talking to God and talking to my wife and said, honey, I, I don't know what's going on. Something's, something's wrong. And, um, and so, you know, I, I started like looking around for who let go of the church only to find out that it was Jesus. Um, and I realized that, that I had a grace on my life for a season to do that, that church, that work. And uh, when that season was over, the grace lifted and suddenly I couldn't carry this thing. I thought I was strong. I thought it was easy. And it turns out he was doing all the heavy lifting. And so as soon as I recognized that, I told my wife, I said, if I don't put this down, it's going to kill me. Like, I, I don't have the strength. This is, this is like, takes Jesus, like God-sized strength. And so a couple for a couple months you just start feeling like you're failing until you realize that god's transitioning you and you're like oh you're freeing me for something different and so then i got excited and as soon as we put it down i just felt the whole weight of all the lift off of me and i was like my happiness went through the roof and 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 we you know it's mixed feelings because you don't want to let go of your church that's your community you built this thing this is your baby um but you have to let go of, of an old season before you can move into a new season. And that's what we were doing. That is so powerful. It's making me think back to yesterday's pastoral message that uh, my pastor gave. And it was in regards to the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks. And it was when he finally got through the wave breakers on the raft that he had made for years. He was on that island for almost four years. And he had that 
ball, that Wilson ball. Mm -hmm. And he had to let go of Wilson. Otherwise, if he went to go swim after him, he was going to drown. And so it's this knowing of that burden that you're speaking of. And I think a lot of people feel this. I think they feel it in the dead end job that they're in. I think they feel it in their nine to five. I think they feel it even perhaps in entrepreneurship. And I know for sure a lot of people who feel it in ministry. And I'm Mm -hmm. so um, enamored with the fact that you recognize that it was a grace experience and exchange and that you even allowed God to carry that weight, right? It's this Mm -hmm. knowing and representation to say, hey, Jesus was carrying it all along and now I am trying to do it and I can't, I can't solo. And so that's a huge, I just think epiphany for a lot of people, like releasing what was and stepping into what is new, even in the uncomfort and the discomfort of that, you felt free. Uh, and yeah. that that's a pretty wild expression to to be in, knowing that you don't have the full answers to what's ahead. Yeah. And you, and it, <clears throat> it helped me to realize that um, not only did I have to put that down, but I can't, I have to, I can't allow myself to pick up the next thing. If I know, if I don't know that God's not in it, he's got to be in it. And he's because I know that whatever he's asking me to do, he's going to have to do the heavy lifting on that, too. And um, and so I, I think that's why Jesus only did what he saw the father doing. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't put his hands to anything more than that. He'd walk into a crowd. He's used to healing everybody. But today it's that one guy, because if I do the next guy, then I don't have the strength for that. You know, it's like he's looking to the father, he's submitting to the father's will and doing what the father's doing. And now he's got the grace for all of it. Wow. I love that. I've been watching The Chosen uh, as much as I can, but usually have to binge watch a couple episodes because I do not watch TV on the regular. And yesterday was one of those days. And so I just see I'm such a visual learner anyway. So as you're talking, I'm experiencing um, being in that scene and those experiences where he's in the, the pool of Bethesda or not in the pool, but in the vicinity of and he yeah. heals um, the lame man. And, and that man has been there for decades. And there was, I'm sure, a lot of people who were there for decades. Um, but the, the difference is, and it's the same experience with your story here, which is where the parallel is the knowing that he asked him a question. And he asked, Does he, do you want to get well? And then he said, take up your mat and walk. And so you actually did this thing that I am so passionate about, which is activate. You actually activated and you said, I'm willing to release this thing that is comfortable, this thing that has been my baby, this thing that is multitudes of people's lives and hearts and even walks with God. Right. I'm sure there is a component when you're a pastor that you feel responsible for their connection to God, even though it's not your responsibility. You've been carrying it regardless. Um, And so I just I honor you in that massive transition. And I know from being in it myself that there is a, a secular uh, heaviness that comes to stepping into places like we are, but then there's this light, light burden and this peace in the knowing that when you do so, um, and I want to unpack this fivefold ministry understanding deeper when you do so in that gifting, it remains in ease. Doesn't mean it's not hard work. Doesn't mean that you're not faced with attack. Doesn't mean that people don't question your character or your intention. I get in this all the time, especially right now. And so I'm curious, um, based on wisdom and needing this insight from you, I'm, I'm, I'm selfishly asking, how do you stay in that understanding of alignment and that peace and that light burden um, in everything that you're doing on a consistent basis right now? You know, there's a difference between like doing good works and doing God works. You know, I mean, if you want to 
have a, a way to talk about them differently. It's knowing what like Jesus, you know, only did what he saw the father do. And so it's always looking for, you know, just making sure that you have peace on the thing that you feel like he's telling you to do. Cause we get excited about stuff. Like there's, I mean, you know, you're, you're an entrepreneur. So there's already like a thousand and twelve things that you want to do today uh, to take on the world. And, you know, I'm and, glad you get that. You, you can't do that. And, um, and so what is the one thing that, what is the next thing that God's, what, you know, what is he telling you today? Um, what do we need to focus on for this season? And under, you know, because a lot of times, like, you know, I mean, I've gotten so confused, like in pregnancy, they call it false starts, you know, and, and it's like, you feel like this is the thing that God's calling it to, and it lasts for six months. And then this is the thing, and it lasts for five years. And then this is the thing, you know, no, 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 I was wrong on all those times. And we don't realize we're just building chapters into yes. our lives, which is building like this puzzle, you know, each is a piece and it's going to culminate like in this puzzle, but but it's not culminating in an end. It's culminating in a beginning. So it's it's like there's these pieces that he gives us over the course of 15, 20 years uh, when we are first called. And then later on, when we're ready, we get commissioned. And we can't mistake our calling for our commissioning. Because when we do that, we, you know, we run out like Abraham. It's like, oh, I've got this promise. I'm going to fulfill it. We create an Ishmael. And we end up creating a lot more problems for ourselves. So, you know, it's really just about asking the Lord, like, what's for now? And like, and understanding the difference between like grace and like uh, just burning out because, because I didn't burn out in ministry. Like I knew, I knew that I was going to hurt myself if I didn't put the church down, but I knew that it was a grace that was lifting. It, I wasn't actually tired of ministry. I could have kept, I, I never skipped a beat on ministry. I'm like, Lord, well, well what do you want to do now? And, um, and he just wanted me to say, well, right now you're good. You know, just set this aside. And uh, you still, I see you still got energy. You still got vision. You still got passion and drive. That's great. Be patient. And then we'll move you into the next thing, you know? And so, yeah, so sometimes, you know, sometimes we're burning out because we're doing the things God has not told us to do, or we did them past when he told us to do them. Uh, we just got to recognize, you know, how to partner with his grace and, and whatever, whether it's pastoring or business or whatever. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. And I think there's that um, alignment piece, right? And, and as you were dropping that that corner um, or, or Jesus was dropping that corner and you're sitting there like jolted by that, right? There's this whole alignment piece. I'm thinking of the chiropractor and understanding that we will, we will sacrifice. Oh man, we will sacrifice to keep the thing that we think God wants for us in that season. Because if we are doing, quote unquote, good works, we feel like there's a reason. Why, why would we let this go? This is a good thing. This has served a lot of people. This has helped a lot of people. And yeah. at the end of the day, we are depraved, overwhelmed, stressed, you know, not pouring into the places that we need to pour into our families, our own um, health and wellness. And so uh, I think that there's just so many un conversations that you can unpack in that. And I think that it's really um, it's really wise and just noble and understanding that um, if we stay surrendered in that understanding of grace, we don't feel like it's in our hands to control in the forefront, 
right? Like I think that's been one of my biggest life lessons is understanding that I'm not in control. I never was. I never will be. I think I am. I think I can, right? The little engine that could. And, and without his, you know, energy, without his source, without his, like me being a conduit, I can't, I could add all the coals to the fire and it still wouldn't do anything. It wouldn't burn. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So talk to me about fivefold labs. I'm so excited to hear more about the deep, the depths of this and how I'll serve um, parallels to it. Okay. So <clears throat> when we talk about fivefold ministry, um, it comes out of Ephesians four, chapter four, verses 11 through 16. And it says that uh, it tells us that Christ ascended. And when he did, he gave gifts to, to men, to the church. Um, and these gifts are apostle, prophet, shepherd, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Um, and there's, there's kind of an order to it, but not an order of importance, just an order of order, just, um, how the framework gets created. And I won't go into all that right now, but, um, so he gives these five gifts as equippers to the church to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And a lot of times, um, all the pastors and leaders in churches burn out by trying to do all the work rather than being equippers. Uh, of the saints doing the work of the ministry. And so really most people aren't really called to like, like everyone's called to be apostolic, but not everyone's called to be an apostle, which is an equipper. Um, so apostles equip the whole church to be apostolic. Prophets equip the whole church to be prophetic, etc. So, um, but with each gift comes like a, a lens, which creates a value system, which creates an emphasis, uh, which creates a culture in a church. And so I can usually talk to somebody for about five minutes and I can tell you whether they go to a church that's led by a teacher or an evangelist or an apostle or a prophet or a shepherd because of the things that they emphasize. If they're, if they're like, man, I'll tell you, it's all about love God, love people. And you got to be in relationship and you got to have your marriage, right? Well, they've been sitting under a shepherd for a long time because they build healthy relationships and healthy communities and they make the gospel very practical and simple, and they bring it down to this level, the day-to-day, you know, ABC, one, two, three, steps to a happy, healthy marriage and all that. You know, whereas if they're like, if you got to be in the Word, if you're not reading the Word, if you don't know the Greek, the Hebrew, et cetera, they're sitting under a teacher. And so teachers turn churches into classrooms, whereas a shepherd, a pastor, pastor, shepherd, uh, will turn a sanctuary into a living room because they want it to be lived in and feel very comfortable and relaxed. Uh, whereas an apostle gets a hold of one, and they say, uh, "Okay, this is boot camp, and we're gonna, you're gonna, you're uh, you're in training, and this is gonna be crazy, and I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves." And uh, the people who've been sitting under shepherds are like, "I'm leaving this church." Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to do that? So it's but it takes so it takes all five to get fully equipped, to get well-rounded, all the tools you need, all the training, and to have a five-fold framework that you are thinking and operating in. I love that. So do you think then, based on being a coach yourself and knowing the power of coaches and mentors that I've had in my life, that everyone needs all five in their life, like a person that's in that vicinity in order to pour into them? Are they, if they're one, do they only need four? Like, how does that work? Yeah, I think everybody, I mean, I think apostles need other apostles and prophets need other prophets. Yeah. Um, and they reproduce themselves and such. But like, you know, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, and I, I come back to that passage for like a million different answers. But That's good. <laughs> yeah, the Bible. How about that? 
And but it basically says that these five were given to equip the saints uh, for the work of the ministry, etc. And so if five were given to do that, and we're only operating under uh, on three of them, or two, or in most cases, one, then we're not being fully equipped, we're only getting a piece. And anytime, you know, when you put a puzzle together, you dump all the pieces out, you set the box up next to you, so you can see the, the picture. So you know what you're building, and you build up that framework. And when you're looking, you've got the framework, and you've got the puzzle box, the whole picture, which is Jesus. If you if you don't have that, then you're going to pick up your puzzle piece and you're going to think it's all about your piece. You're going to see everything through this blue piece, which is shaped a certain way. It only fits this way. And so, you know, a lot of, in other words, a lot of churches and ministries and movements discount anything that's not like them because they're not operating within a framework that takes all five into consideration. So I say it like this. Um, if, if you think about Russian nesting dolls, you know what they are? The Russian, like the, they fit inside, they go inside each other. Yeah. I think those things are so neat. I always yeah, thought they, they were neat as a kid. And, um, and if you look at those, you know, from the tallest to the shortest, if you take the middle one, you can, you, you can fit that inside this one and this one, but it won't fit in the, in the two smaller ones. You can take the one, the smallest one, that'll fit any, in any of them, but you can't fit any of the others inside of it. So there's only one that's big enough for all the others to fit inside. And in the church, that's the apostolic gift. The And so when Jesus started the church, he started with 12 apostles. He actually he didn't start with prophets and shepherds and teachers and stuff. They did come, they emerged out of the church. But he started with apostles because it made room for all the others. It's a framework that it's not just looking at what's going on inside the church or even how to get people saved outside the church. It's looking for how do we make nations flourish with the gospel of the kingdom. That makes room for business owners. It makes work, a room for moms, for mechanics, for uh, script writers and Hollywood filmmakers. And suddenly there's room. And when we talk about the work of the ministry, it's not just what it's not what happens behind the pulpit as much as it is what happens to the people when they got into the marketplace. Oh, my goodness. Oh. I love this. And that analogy will never leave my heart now that every time I see this because it's so powerful and so simple at the same time. One of the people listening had the question, can a prophet thrive under a pastor shepherd? Pastor <laughs> slash shepherd. And yeah, I'm yeah, super yeah. Well, you know, uh, there are I, some of the books that I've read on the prophetic were written by, well, he might have been an apostle, but he was a very shepherding guy. So it really comes down to whether or not the shepherd understands the prophetic. And, um, and, and so if they understand it, if they understand that world, then they can help to nurture that in that person. Um, because the thing about a prophet is that a, a, a true prophet it tends to be naturally gifted in the prophetic, but when they're not trained, they just can create a lot of messes. And um, because it's like, you you know, I remember uh, uh, one pastor used to tell, uh, an apostle used to tell this prophet, he said, just don't say everything you see on the screen, you know, because, because our gift for a prophet, a gift far outweighs their maturity in the beginning. You have to grow into that and know how to manage what God's given you. 
so yeah, it can happen. It just, um, and that's part of what I, I, I try to do is help pastors understand when you've got prophetic people in your church, if you don't know how to serve and lead them and build a culture that affirms and embraces and cultivates their gift in that ministry in the church, then you're just going to have a lot of frustrated people. This is really interesting to me. I, I, I understand the fivefold ministry. I've been taught it. Um, and I kind of can, can parallel to the things that meet me and I can point people out, but I've never thought about how they all correlate in the working um, framework together and, and the importance of that. And so um, I definitely want to like dive deeper into that experience, whether through a book. Have you written? Yeah, I know. Have you authored your book on this yet? Because you're going to. Yeah. I'm 80 to 90% done on okay. it. I'm working on it, but it's, that's not there It's yet. super intriguing. And I do think, like you said, there's so many layers just to the verses alone and then understanding yeah. every single realm and then how you can even sharpen those specific tools and how you serve other people through them. Um, I know we had a, a brief conversation where you're like, I want to talk to you about the apostolic gifting. And I'm like, tell me more. And so I think that there's, I think there's such beauty to every single, um, every single one of the gifts, obviously God, they're God made. Yeah. So of course there's intention and purpose in them. Um, do you find similar to, um, leadership teams or different personalities that there's a, um, a, a combat between any of them? Uh, <clears throat> to some degree, uh, there can be because, uh, because whatever their gift is, they have a lens that, that they see through and that creates their value system. And their value system is what's saying, well, this is most important. So for the evangelist and most of most believers, most churches have been more influenced by the value system of the evangelist than any other. The evangelist says the the only real thing that's important is that somebody gets saved. And while that is immensely important, it's part of the gospel, you know, but the gospel. So it's not, so Jesus isn't having us preach the gospel of salvation having us preach the gospel of the kingdom which includes salvation but it doesn't stop there it just begins there you know and it goes on to touch nations and 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 free you know people and and unlock potential and and um stabilize whole economies and form healthy government i mean all the things that we're dealing with today is a lack of jesus being fully present in the world through the saints equipped by the fivefold you know it's so, so awesome. I mean, I get so excited as you're talking about the expansion piece, like you start here with the one and then it goes bigger and bigger and bigger. And that kingdom view uh, is definitely where I love to stay and probably why I have 1001 things to do today, like you talked about earlier. <laughs> and, and I think that that's like it keeps my adrenaline high. It keeps my energy high. It keeps my expectancy high. Um pretty much in the, in the knowing that like God could never fail me because I've got all of these things in front of me. And if just one of them thrives, it's going to be amazing. But in the process, yeah. I have so many ideas that I feel like are birthed from um, my prayer life and, and birthed from my, my vision casting with Jesus. Quick commercial break. I know I hate these things too, but it's so critical that you grow your business for God's sake. And I mean that, pun intended, with all the love in my heart to get you from a place of ideation to 
activation. Stop dreaming. Start doing. Stand up. Start saying yes to the call that God has on your life. We are going to be joining in Lexington, Kentucky with none other than the beautiful Rise and Grind community with Glenn Lundy, who will be co-hosting this incredible conference. This is the second annual, and he has taken me under his wing to be able to share this stage to motivate and inspire, and I cannot wait to see you there. November 5th through the 7th, if you want to come in for the VIP experience, which who doesn't want to come along for VIP? That's all access passes to the speakers and the artists and you'll be able to dine with us in the private rooms with your own special bathrooms. So of course, come one day, two day, three day passes available as well. And we cannot wait, as Glenn and I say, to hug your neck. See you there. How do you... um... How do you help people sharpen in those areas? And is that a thing that's really just done in the equipping uh, with the word and in prayer? Or can you actually, as a coach and consultant, help them thrive in those realms? Yeah. So, I mean, like in the past, uh, so for instance, you know, um, now I'm not a prophet, but for instance, like a prophet should be uh, teaching people how to hear God, how to recognize the voice of the Lord. I had one friend who he believed he was uh, an apostle, a prophet, a teacher, and I think a shepherd. So like he almost didn't need anybody else if that were true. I'm a one man pony, <laughs> chicken pony. It's okay, it's okay, but he, you know, he uh, he told me one time. He said, you know, we're the voice of God to the people, and I said, no, we're not. I said, I said we are called to help people hear God for themselves. And so discipleship in the church is supposed to be when people come to us, we teach them how to follow the Holy Spirit. You know, we keep passing them off, making them disciples of them, not disciples of us. Um, and uh, I think I forgot your question. But, no, I think um, it's really good. I, I feel like it answered it. Go yeah. So, so like we used to do uh, prophetic workshops all the time. Um, and so with a prophetic workshop, I teach about, how God speaks, how you can hear him. And then as I start teaching that, people go, oh, that was God. And they start remembering all these times when God was speaking to them, but they didn't have a grid to realize he had been talking. So so they've already had this relationship. I'm just like affirming it. Um, and then we have them get up and they practice giving, you know, hearing God, God, what are you saying to this person sitting next to me or that person over there? I don't know. You know, what do you what do you want to speak out in their life? What do you want to affirm? Um, what do you want to give them a, a higher perspective on? And then we let them literally cross the room and say, hey, can I share this with you? And we just have all kinds of ways that we've been developing out it out for over 10 years now. But you can do that with the apostolic gift, the prophetic gift, you know, teaching, etc. But churches need to move from doing to equipping. And, and that's what I want to help more with. So. That's incredible. Now, uh, from a perspective of, of the thriving in the marketplace piece, knowing that churches can simultaneously exist in the marketplace, right? Like there's their people are a part of that in, in the industries and institutions and everyone that they're equipping is going into that space. And so yeah. how because um, we share this heartbeat so much, how can we be um, equippers of the people from a, a secular realm and, and in our faith and helping them establish in the church and then establish in, in the world? Like it's it's got to be this symbiotic experience that's it's yeah. not pulling or detracting from one or the other, but instead mm-hmm. um, embracing both. Well, 
like for pastors, they need to recognize that that their job is to equip people for being out there, for being outside the church. And the goal is not to suck everybody in to just like take care of the children or sing in the choir. Like those are all good, fine things. Uh, someone's got to do it. But um, but people people not only have permission to be in the marketplace, the people in their churches are actually being sent by God to the marketplace and a lot of people and so a lot of that has to do with learning how to pastor people where they are instead of telling them hey you need to leave that or or it's like um it's like affirming what their work is without having to overly christianize it you know like um well do you have a bible study at work well is anybody getting saved well if none of those things are happening then how can and it, we have to recognize the value in and of itself that just providing, I mean, like what you're doing with coaching, I mean, immense value. I think, I think many people, especially people who are in their 50s, 60s, even 70s, maybe, maybe 80s, um, that have been in the workforce a long time that, I mean, just out in the world working, I believe most of those people, God would have them transfer over to being consultants uh, essentially discipling people as they're teaching them about whatever their industry is that they have ex experience and skill in. The other aspect would just be um, understanding that that Christians actually have an advantage out in the world that the world doesn't have. Uh, we have the Holy Spirit. Um, and so like when we were like we were doing training as part of the serve initiative, and I was actually teaching people on the prophetic. I didn't, I don't think I told them that's what it was at first. Um, because sometimes people are leery of that. <laughs> that's awesome. I was teaching them how to hear God about the person of influence that they're meeting with and how to speak life and identity to them. And that when you do that, it not only affirms that person, their identity in God, and they're calling whatever they're doing, it builds the relationship, and then you garner favor with that person for doing for serving them, not for not for manipulating them, but for serving them, uh, which is what we're called to do. And um, serving is the way back, you know, the way the church gets back out into society. You know, we can't come in and dominate, we have to get under and serve and elevate. That is incredible. And I think so needed. I mean, so, so needed. A lot of times people think when they're in the marketplace that everything is an exchange, that everything has a value yeah. component, right? And and while there's an exchange of energy or there's an exchange of affirmation or there's an exchange of love, a lot of times marketplace is, is guised by only money, right? And mm -hmm. I think that's where we uh, as coaches or um, Christian anything, uh, no mm -hmm. matter what your job title is, that there is this blanketed understatement of, I can't, I'm not going to pay you for that because now you're taking your gift that is freely given by God and you're monetizing it. Mm -hmm. But when we look at it from a place of service and we look at it from a place of love and we look at it as a place of equipping, it, yeah. it is free. I, how much of a day is spent just serving, loving, caring for other people without ever asking for a dollar? This podcast yeah. does that been doing it for years and, yeah. and I've never monetized it. Have I gotten coaching clients from it? Yes, but I've never said, give me a dollar to hear this wisdom, right? Yeah. 
And so I'm curious what what insight you give to people, because I know it's one of the biggest plagued uh, church mindset, money mindset problems that I deal with every single day as a coach, even as I'm trying to curate a Christian conference. Right. They're like, you can't pay for that. I'm like, well, how do you expect me to get the lights and the sound and the tables? Like, where does that money come from? I'm super curious. So much of that comes actually out of a poverty mindset. It comes out of poverty thinking. And we we don't realize it. I mean, <laughs> the only person that really complained that, that I could think of uh, in the Gospels about um, the, the ointment being spilled is the one who was stealing from the, you know, it's like even he was taking that for himself. I'm not saying the church is doing that. But just that there's a poverty mindset that says there isn't enough money to go around that that if if we make money then uh that is robbing it from the poor or from missions or from something else and it's just not true it's just not the way things work there's there in the kingdom the kingdom has a different economy to it um and jesus tried to show that from things like pulling a coin out of a random fish's mouth and multiplying, you know, fish and loaves. And I've heard of some churches where uh, filet mignon was actually multiplied. They would pray and, and uh, I'm, I'm oh, on Jesus. Sweet church, Jesus. But, <laughs> yeah, no, but, no, I'm just kidding about that. But, but like that actually happened. And, and so there's more than enough. And, um, and I think it's important. I'm not saying like all Christians should be rich or anything like that. But, it, but it's important that the church be able to lavish God's love, even through money or material, you know, uh, things on the world, on people, on other believers. Um, I believe that God wants us to flourish, and it doesn't happen by just either throwing money away or not receiving something uh, for, for the work that we're doing. Um, that is how, like when you spend money, you're, you're saying, this is the value that I place on who you are. I recognize what God's giving you, what God's done in your life and how that is impacting me. And, and that's a big deal. And so, um, so people don't value anything that they don't spend money on, you know, and, um, and I've seen that play out in a lot of different ways. So, so I think that's important. I think we need it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it's really interesting and also something even from a church perspective and a pastoral perspective and a and a house perspective, right? Like if I have a house, I have to invest in certain maintenance. And I think where you come into play that's so powerful is that you are providing maintenance to that house, right? To that church. Mm-hmm. And people think that everything is interior. Oh, we can do that, right? Like, oh, I know somebody inside yeah. that can do that. My brother-in-law yeah. will come and build the pergola. I don't need to hire the pergola and the pergola falls and knocks out the the front window and all the things, right? Because it's not done to the caliber that it needs to be done for a sturdy foundation. And so you are literally coming in as an expert, which is where the investment piece comes into play. And you're saying, hey, I've been studying this for 20 years. Let me help you build the pergola. Let me help you restructure the foundation. Let me help you see with a different lens what you could be working on more, equip more, better here, encourage here, love here, right? Um, And so I just, 
I think that it's incredible. I think that it's hard work <laughs> because re being recognized yeah. in that realm is yeah. people don't get and they think it's a disguise and they think that you're the wolf in sheep's clothing. And it, it's a really interesting and treading water to constantly be mindful of. But I think the biggest thing that you said that I'll take away that I think everyone should take away is knowing that we as Christians carry and, and house the Holy Spirit. And therefore, everywhere we go, including into quote unquote church and into our workforce or down the road, down the street, right, is the knowing that he precedes us into those locations. And that is by our faith, but additionally by our action that he shows up through us. Uh, and so it's you could stand fearful behind maybe a good website or behind a good podcast and never actually knock on the door. But I think it's really important. Yeah us. Um, and I'm speaking to myself right now, I can feel the eyes of Morgan staring into my soul right now is that we have to get better and more confident at doing the knocking. Because without mm -hmm. knocking, they'll never know that we even exist. Yeah. So tell me, how yeah, do you, you market? Know. How do you publicize? How do you do? How do you knock? You know, it doesn't matter who I'm meeting with. I'm asking the same question. I'm asking myself. I'm asking God. I'm asking them. How can I serve you? That's the thing I'm looking for. And so if I'm meeting with a pastor, I'm, uh, I'm trying to figure out how I can serve them um, because I know, I know what the fivefold unlocks. I know what this framework unlocks. And I believe that like, for instance, most churches, I believe most churches are operating at probably around 20, 15, 20% of who they are, what they could be doing um, for a number of different reasons that, that we've discussed. And so in other words, there are, there are caps, there's limits on, on like kind of on their identity, like the awareness of their identity, um, what the saints of the church could be doing out in the marketplace. I mean, do you realize like, I mean, like take like a church of like, you know, 50 people and, um, and imagine if those 50 people, they knew who they were. They were fully equipped, fully trained, and then they had the affirmation of the leadership to go out into the marketplace and to serve people in the name of the Lord and the impact and the results that they would have, like Jesus-sized like, like impact. Do you realize that church would be thriving? Like people just saying, like, how do I get this? I want this. Um, and uh, like... Like I saw this, uh, do I have time to tell you a quick dream I had? Yeah, please, please. Okay. So number, like a few years into the church, I had this dream where there was a, I was in the neighbor's yard and there's this fence and I'm inside looking at this tree, big tree inside the fence. And in the dream, these people are climbing over the fence to get to the tree. And whenever they got to the tree, they would stand under the branches and they would start floating up into the branches and they would pass through all these branches. And when they came up the top, they were being fired out like arrows or missiles, like all over the world into their assignment. Like whether it was geographically or institutionally, they were being shot out into their assignment. So they were getting, when they came to the tree, they were getting equipped. That was, and so the Lord was talking to us about kind of like our, our mission, our ministry to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. But I'm watching them climb over the fence and I'm looking in the dream and there's a gate like over here. And I'm like, why don't they just use the gate? And I'm like, this is weird. Why do they just, why do they keep doing that? And they were coming over one after another real fast. And I said, why don't they use the gate? And the Lord spoke to me and he said, 
that people are trying to basically come into the kingdom and, and get equipped for their assignment. And they're not going to come in the traditional ways. And, and I told the person, the people standing next to me in the dream, I said, we have to build a gate right there where the people are coming in. And so, so there are people that are trying to get, get, um, there are even people out in the world that are that are already like in the place of their assignment, doing what God made them to do, and they're not even Christians yet. And imagine the churches, imagine Christians, believers, pastors, etc., coming alongside them and saying, "Do you know God made you to do this?" and affirming like who they are, and that they're crushing it. And then like we're going to show you how to take this to the next level. You know, we're not just going to tell you how to get more saved on Sunday. Like, we're going to just lead you, you know, we'll help introduce you to Jesus. We're going to get you filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to show you what it looks like to bring the gospel of the kingdom to your industry. You are going to, you're just going to blow it up. And the re, and, and in the church, we're not, we tend not to uh, feel like we're allowed to shine. Like, we're not allowed to have, like, a glory on us. And we don't realize that the way that God designed the kingdom and all this to operate is just like a father out in the stands at a football game. He's watching his son with the winning touchdown running. He's at the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10. Boom, touchdown. The father jumps up and he says, that's my son. And when that happens, so when, when the glory of God is seen on us, he gets glory. You know, people looked at, that's what happened with uh, Joseph when he was standing before Pharaoh. He he tells Pharaoh how to solve the problem. He said, who's your dad? He was like, that's the next that's the next thing he asked. And he's like, Who, who's your father? You know, so uh, so there's something powerful about that. And and so I just I go out and I try to serve people, um, whether it's a girl at a fast food place uh, or a pastor or a business leader. Um, we all have a lot of the same basic needs, identity, affirmation. I mean, the things that you speak to all the time, um, uh, these are the things that people need. And when they find that and when they hear God and they know that God loves them and he's their father, they can do anything, anything. So powerful. I love the expansion concept of, of realizing that the person might actually be walking in their calling. They just might not know the fullness of what that could be or operating in the fullness of the prosperity and abundant factor, right? The freedom factor of that. Uh, and it really does. It all stems back to identity. And, and, and in my business model that I help teach people, it's like knowing that if I can't speak and know 100% in the, the being piece and the identity piece, before we start to cultivate brand or business, we're going to get it wrong. There is going mm -hmm. to be a misstep. And, and do we get it perfect? Absolutely not, because we're always becoming. There's shortcomings in every single one of us that we need sharpening in. Um, and, and we have to be able to know what those are, to recognize those pain, recognize those weaknesses, recognize those places that still need ultimate watering from God in order for that to continue to harvest. But right now it's beneath the surface. However, there are the components, like you said at the very beginning, that just freely come to you. 
And people think that those are hobbies or they think that those are just passion points. And so often they're the exact thing that God's asking them to do because it's freely given to you. You get to give it to other people and it's not by the money, it's by the service. It's no different different than a musician, right? Who's just naturally gifted. My son, he's naturally gifted at dancing, singing, making people laugh. Like how that's gonna serve him later, I have no idea. Maybe a worship leader, that's my mama heart desire, but I can't pick hold that. I can't pigeonhole that. But what I can do is I can call that out in him every single day. I see this talent. I see this gift. I see how it lights you up when you do this for other people. And so I think we get to do that. And that's what being a mentor, a coach, a consultant, all of those things is really allowing us to do. But at the end of the day, you can take away all of those titles. And then the one title that matters most is child of God brother or sister in the kingdom. And as a brother or sister, I want to see the people in my family thrive, right? I want to see them ignited. I want to see them living in their purpose because guess what happens when they're in their purpose? I get to taste the fruit of their tree, right? And they get to pass it freely and say, Hey, look what's happened in my life because I've abided because I know who I am because I know whose I am. And so that's what Joseph did. And then he literally got to give grace, mercy and food, the fruit to his brothers who originally outcast him. It's bananas. It it always comes back full circle. And if you feel like you're living in a place that this is not the story that is yours. Oh, man, I'm sure that between the two of us, we could go into so many storylines to be like, actually read this. Right. Um, it's been so good to unpack all of this. And I know that you have so much more bubbling inside. Are there any specific areas that you want to be sure to touch on before we close out today's podcast? I know this won't be the last time that we share with the community together. I don't know. Uh, just that, um, you know, it, it all, it's, Jesus is, you know, he's the, he's, I, I don't refer to him as the final revelation, because the Lord talks to us about stuff all the time, but he's the central revelation. And I think that's the distinction. I see like a ripple effect where Jesus is the very center and summary of everything God's doing. But it's like, it's like, I see this ripple effect of like, what's coming, like my relationship with God and yours was meant to change the world. It's supposed to come out of that place of where, you know, I'm living with him, I'm dialoguing with him, I'm following him. And, um, and the world has seen so few people, like, actually, like, they may kind of see their calling, their, you know, from a distance, but they don't step into it. And it's a journey. And, and we've got to, we just have to realize that God's trying to get us to, to the starting point. You know, I heard a friend of mine had a dream, and he said, uh, that he saw all these people approaching. They've been running for a long time and they were approaching what they thought was the finish line and they're crossing it and they're starting to slow down. And he said, they, what the problem is they didn't realize it was, it wasn't the, the finishing line. It was actually the starting line. And so people that were even older um, had been doing this for a while and they didn't realize that they were just about to get started. Like we were talking about before, God is building those chapters into our lives through various seasons, challenges, successes, failures. And for me, I'm just trying to learn to fail faster. Uh, Graham Cook is a prophet, a modern day prophet. And he says that um, what we call making mistakes, God calls learning. And so I'm just trying to fail faster because 
there was a time in my life where I didn't want to do anything because I was afraid of failure. And now I realize the grace of God that he has for me, that he wants me to just do it and like just trip a lot and like fall on my face trying to uh, do what he's called me to do. And he'll order my steps and, and he'll get each one of us there. And I think the cool part about that is knowing that like in those failures, your identity is not shook, right? Like no. you're still you're still a child of God. You're still worthy. You're still, you're still equipped. You're still all of the things that God calls us. And it's just the knowing that those seasons, those chapters are what is going to propel us into that beginning. And I love looking at it from that perspective, because I know when I die, it's not over, right? Like we know that. And it's the, it's the beautiful component of, of what we know to be true, um, living at the right hand of God in heaven. And I get to celebrate my Nana this weekend for her celebration of life. And she was such a God fearing woman. And, um, and yet she didn't unlock a lot of what we're talking about on this side of, of earth on heaven, this side of heaven on earth. And, um, it, it saddens me, but at the same time, I know as she's up there looking down, she would just be so, um, proud. Of, of every little thing and every little day as all of her grandchildren are leaning into that identity piece um, and knowing that prosperity is ours for the taking here on this side of heaven. Um, and so I just, I honor you as the example that you are. And I honor you that you're, you're saying yes to the hard things and that you're willing to fail in the process. Uh, I'm a recovering perfectionist, I like to say. And so, uh, I, I definitely try to fail. I'm like, it's, it's okay. If it messes up, I'm going to know real quick what the next step, best step is. And is that next best step, uh, a, not a failure? No, probably is. But eventually everything comes into alignment. Just like when you try those puzzle pieces, just like you were saying, you're going to get it wrong a couple of times and then you're going to be so excited when it fits in that perfect place. Um, and those are the chapters. Those are the chapters. It's just like writing a book. I remember writing and I have moved so many chapters around having no idea. I thought for sure this is the sequence it was going to become. And now that it's done, it's in total different places. Some of the chapters are completely removed. That's the uprooting process. We have to do that too. Um, and yeah. so all these analogies, I hope, bring people um, understanding in a simple way. And we're so grateful um, for you to be here and, and provide those to us today. Well, I had such a great time. I really enjoyed it. I always enjoy talking with you. So, Likewise, likewise. You guys got to go to fivefoldlabs.com. And you are at your name, correct, on Instagram? Um, I don't do a whole lot on Instagram. <laughs> Yeah. Where are we? Where do we find you? LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. I'm on, I'm on Facebook. You can go to Facebook. Um, oh my gosh, we need to have a branding conversation. Yes, we do. <laughs> you. Yeah, I need to gift. Okay, yeah. let's do it. You can find me on Facebook, and I think that I think even the um, icon for that is on uh, the website. Awesome. All right, fivefoldlabs.com. Five is spelt out. You guys, Joseph Perry, you've been such a gift. Thanks again for being here. We cannot wait to see how God continues to bless your life and that of your wife as well. Thanks. Thanks, Tamara. Appreciate you. Hey, y'all. It's me again. I hope in today's episode, you sense and ignite to an ember within you. Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. 
I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway. By snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at fitandfaith underscore podcast or me personally at tamra.andress on Insta. I hope that I can keep you accountable and also share you with the greater community of the Fit and Faith podcast listeners. We're totally in this together. Community over competition is the motto, right? I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. I'd love to feature your thought in the next episode and give you and your passion project a big shout out. You know I'm a writer, so I love words and I can't wait to read what you have to say. I'm ready to fuel the flame with you together. And until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. Tune in next time. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free story behind podcast. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.